Right, welcome to the Billfish Republic podcast. This is episode four. My name is Chris. Our co-host Will is skiing in Vail. So we're happy for him. He's having a good time up there, but he's not here. So we got JC Fernandez from Nautilus Dive Shop here in Miami as our guest co-host. And we got Gordy Gonzalez here. Gordy is a really deep diver and a great fisherman working on the Miss Brit, learning a lot about fishing nowadays, now that he's drying off from being in the water for so long. <laughs> Say hello, Gordy. Yep. Say hello, JC. Hey, what's up, everybody? Yeah, so we wanted to have Gordy on. Uh, Gordy is an amazingly deep diver, so we thought it would be a great kind of podcast to get you know, his point of view, things that he sees when he's diving that deep, things that he's thinking of, things that he's gone through with training, and kind of get an insight as to what it takes to dive that deep. So right off the bat, Gordy, tell everybody, what's your deepest dive to kind of give everybody a, a, a reference point? So just a pure freediving dive, uh, it's 246 feet. I just did the math right now, just nice. to have an answer for you guys. And you did the math off of meters. Yeah, because I dove 75 meters. Yeah, I just use meters. It's, I think it's just a little easier on your mind, the smaller number. Damn, I, I would think the other way around. Wouldn't you want to go with the bigger number, JC? Yeah, but it's kind of a, a mind thing. You start seeing 200 on your watch or something like that. It's like, oh, man, I got to get back up there. You that's know? true. That's true. How long did that dive take, just to give everybody a, a feel for that? Most of my deep dives are called free immersions, or you're pulling down. So you're pulling down, you don't really get that much speed. So I don't know the exact time on that, but I'm sure it was around three minutes or so. Nice. Wow. I mean, there's some people that can't even hold their breath for three minutes on land. Well, I can barely hold my breath for three minutes on land. <laughs> no, you have to have a higher static breath hold in that right uh i don't really train it so i mean unless i'm diving or i'm not diving it's it's pretty much around two and a half three minutes nice so gordy actually fished today gordy's been doing a lot of fishing in the miss brit so you fished today gordy so you're fresh off the boat you still had some sunscreen on your face when you walked in here didn't you yes <laughs> so what'd you catch today gordy uh some barracudas bonito released oahu <laughs> what a nice guy. <laughs> but you said you saw some sales showering too, didn't you? Yeah, so one thing I have a lot of frustration with is these showering sailfish that just, you see them, they're on Ballyhoo, and all you got is cigar minnows, and <laughs> they just look at the bait and, yeah, nah, nah, no thanks. Yeah, I've never had too much luck with the shower fishing. A lot of guys do, but it's definitely hard. It's tough. Yeah, can I go spend some time in Alamorada? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When that bite starts to happen, we got to get down there and try that because they got it dialed in. They do real well. So Gordy's been working on the Mr. Brit. How long have you been working there for? Um, full time with Mr. Rocher, probably about 15 months. Nice. Used to ride along a little bit here and there back in the day. Yeah, I remember Gordy was telling me, man, I really want to get into fishing. And I, I don't know how you got on that boat and how you did it, but you got in and you're kind of on a... A, you know, really high-end boat. And we were talking about that before, JC, or with Christian about how a lot of guys get on the Miss Britain and end up having, like, a, a real career or a boost to their career, actually. So Yeah, Rocher is... If you know Rocher, you know Rocher, but Rocher's definitely the man. It's Rocher University, basically, right? Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, I know you learned a lot because I've seen things that you've done now that, you know, I know you had never done before. You're doing for the first time, but... So, yeah, so 
JC and I also went fishing too. So we went Wahoo fishing recently. So I did my my birthday. Yeah, it was, it was on day. JC's birthday. We caught seven Wahoo. Your first. We went to Quesal. Um By the way, if you're listening to this, we went in late January. It's now early February, just to give you a time a time frame. Um, yeah, Wahoo fishing's been good. So we did a couple trips recently down to Quesal. Um, we didn't release them like Gordy did, but no, we kept, we kept them. We kept them. We put them in the boat. Um, but yeah, so Gordy's been doing some great fishing, but really what I think people are going to think, what people are going to think is really interesting is his diving. That's really what I'm interested in. I have kind of like no concept of what it takes to kind of get down to those depths and what it takes to, to, to what training it takes to get down there. So you said you're diving 200 plus. And was that like a natural thing for you, Gordy, when you started diving or did you have to put in a lot of work? I think both. I mean, I definitely had a, an advantage. So what's training like? Most of the very quiet guys. So this is <laughs> difficult. It's all right. None of us really put on these headsets a lot, so we're all new to this. Um, it first came easy when, when no one was diving on your feet and uh, diving with my dad, seeing my dad. I saw my dad do it. My dad was, you know, he was an 80-foot diver in the 80s, I mean, sorry, in the 90s. So I knew it was possible. Right. So I pushed myself and I was diving. I was diving 80 feet in high school, early high school. Yeah, that's pretty good. So no, no class, no nothing. No training. No, just diving. That's pretty good. And what did it take to get you like to the next level? I would follow this guy around. His name was Martin Stepanek. He's the founder of FII. Right. When I was about 19, I took a class with him. And uh, every, then as he taught classes, if you were a prior student, you could come along and train. So basically every class he had, I would drive up to Pompano and I would train. So I was line diving at least once a month. Right. With this guy who's a world record holder. Yeah, no, I've heard his name. I don't know much about him, but yeah, I've heard his name. Yeah, Martin Stepanek. He was uh, probably, probably one of the guys that wrote the free diving competition book. You know, he, he did a lot of things that a lot of people didn't know were capable of, and he just really took the sport right. to another level. So you were pretty dedicated to that, Gordy. It was like a goal of yours to dive deep. It was something that you were really fixated on. Yeah, at that time, my early 20s, I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be the deepest diver in America. Really? Yeah. I mean, I guess that's what it takes. You got to have some sort of goal, right? Yeah. To get to that level. Yeah, and it was definitely possible because that time, probably about 23 years old, me and me and Levi were training a lot. And we just take my office board and I was diving with plastic fins 200 feet. Wow. With plastic and fins. I, and at that time, the U.S. World, the U.S. record was like, 210 feet. No way. Wow. No, I'm not exactly sure, but I knew there was like three guys that could dive deeper than me. One guy named Hawaii, a few guys actually in Hawaii, and uh, another guy that just dropped out of the sport. I guess he grew up too. Right. And just dropped out of the sport. But you know, there's only a handful of guys diving deeper than me. Wow. That's crazy. There was yeah, like, to be the top, top three in the nation. I don't know exactly. I mean, there's guys that were diving deeper. This one kid, very well-known kid, has a YouTube channel. At the same time, we were we think we both hit 200 feet at the same time. 
Right. His name's Ryan Myers. Yeah, he's a good, he's a good diver. So, you, what were you doing on the on the aqua sport? Like, explain that to people, because you know you obviously got to go to deeper than two hundred feet, but then there's current out there. So, how does that look when you get you know that setup? So, me and Leo take off. We go to about a thousand feet of water, or wherever we thought the mahis were. True. We, We'd have to go to a thousand feet of water. If we went to 500, the current beyond 150 feet would be stagnant. So you only had a wall of current about 150 feet of depth. But as you went deeper into the Gulf Stream, you had a more uniform current. Right. So if I put the, the float with a line and a weight at the bottom, I would need that weight to be in the same like water. Right, right, right. If I went shallow, like, 350 feet, that weight would be in stagnant water while my float would be in Gulf Stream water moving four miles an hour. So it would be, the line wouldn't be vertical. The line would be exactly, it would be it's slanted. Slant. Wow. So we go out to like a thousand feet of water. We would hang a flasher. Sometimes we pull the guns out of the back of the boat and shoot a few mahi. They would pull up. That was pretty cool. That was like late, late summer. The bigger mahis were around. That's awesome. Yeah, I would have never thought about that. But so you would go out to that depth and you'd hang a line down, and that would be what you would follow to do your training. Yeah. So we had a whole routine. Levi was diving. Levi's a good friend of me and Chris's. Yeah. Yeah, and he's a deep diver too. I forget what he said. He said it was 140 something. I think it's 140. I think I had a whole dive on video. Wow. I videoed him on that dive. Wow, that's awesome. Nice. Yeah, that's a great dive. I mean. There's a lot of people that are struggling to get to 80 feet. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I've struggled with, you know, people that can't even get to 20. Yeah, I'm definitely no. not no Yaku still myself. <laughs> no, me either. What's your deepest, JC? Because me and JC both dive, or you, we used to dive a lot. I used to dive a lot. So does JC. So just to give everybody kind of reference of what somebody who, two other guys that do dive, um, what's your deepest and what can you dive? I'm comfortable like 60, 80, uh, depending who's with me. If I feel comfortable with my dive, uh, my dive buddy, I'll dive 80. Um, don't expect me to extract something out of a wreck at 80, 90 feet, though. You know, but that's that's <laughs> right. just not me. That's what I call Gordy for. Right. Um, but for the most part, um, you know, I'm comfortable in 60. My deepest dive, I didn't have a watch on or count my kick cycles, um, but we figured it was probably like one, 105, somewhere in there. And I actually almost blacked out on the way up. It wasn't a, <laughs> a, a good thing. <laughs> Um, but it was just me, uh, not you know, just ignoring the signs and right going against of what I knew. I you knew you gave it your all. Yeah, I'm similar to you. I used to dive 60 to 80. My deepest was 100 on the dot. Um, so Gordy's almost diving triple of what we're diving, just to yeah. give everybody like reference. So, what else? What other kind of training would you do to get yourself to that level, other than just repetitively diving to that depth? There has to be some more technical stuff um a lot of pool work pool pool stay oh. master and running so you gotta be in really good shape i think it helps right i, I could attest to that because when i started diving i was doing triathlons and i was able to dive way better than my experience level just because i was cycling and running a lot but i wasn't doing any like specific stuff but just being in shape definitely helps 100%. I think I know now that it, 
It's definitely. the opposite. I'm out of shape now, and I can barely dive. Yeah, you definitely recover a lot faster between your dives, too. You're not sitting on the surface, right. <laughs> you yeah. know, gasping for air or something. You know? Yeah. So what does a pool workout look like? In the simplest way, it's just swimming yeah. underwater a lot. Right. But you're, so you're, you're, you're basically, you're trying to swim to the other side underwater. Yeah. It's, if you have any background in track, like, right. you know, repetitions, like one thing that my, probably my favorite workout ever was something called 800 meter repeats running track. Right. Right. Run half a mile, extremely fast. Right. Right. Short break, repeat. So, so it's, a, it's a track workout, not a track workout, but yeah, it's a repetition. It's sets. Mm -hmm. So I think sets the, and reps. I think the the golden workout, it's not like I was a lot more to it, but if you can do one thing, it was fifty meter repeats. Swim fifty meters, which, which would be an up and back exactly underwater five meter pool, right? Your typical twenty five, yeah. And uh, make sure you're okay. Have your buddy say, "All right, he's he's okay." And then it actually works out. It's really convenient because you can go, you go, okay. Your buddy goes, your buddy's. Repetition is your rest. Right. Exactly how I used to do it with my track workout. Right. You're, pl you're playing with your, your workout time and your rest time mm -hmm. and your distance, and you're adjusting that to kind of get your workout. Mm hmm So. And when you're doing this type of training, Gordy, what is it exactly that you're focusing on training? Is it, you know, what, is, what, what aspect of the dive are you training in this? So it's a lot of, it's, you're building CO2 throughout the, the workout and you're depleting your O2. This one is 50 meter swim is not a very challenging swim. If you were to sit there, breathe up for two minutes, and do it, you probably wouldn't even get an urge to breathe, but you do it with 50 seconds rest. When you, you start building up lactic in your legs, you start building up CO2. Now it's, you get an urge to breathe halfway in. So it's your turn, you know, you start, starts hurting a little bit if so, you do that 16 times you're gonna start you feel pretty like, good <laughs> so like after you get to say 10 11 12 that's when it maybe starts to get more difficult no not actually the first one's easy the second one's okay third one starts getting taxing 10 12 once you get to 10 you can do them all day really? your dive reflex kicks in right so that's major like uh adapting to adapting to the depth adapting to your building your reflex that's major in diving that's why people who dive often dive so well and when you haven't dove it's not because you're so out of shape actually if you start diving like consistently even even if you haven't ran a, rode a bike in 10 years right there's a there's a repetitive you thing would get, you would get you get pretty good what do you think that reflex is like how would you explain that reflex is it just like like a muscle memory type thing in a way, yeah, because there are muscles involved with it. Like your lungs, I guess your diaphragm is a muscle. And or is it mental? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't want to sound like, oh, it's, it's probably a little bit of both, I would say. Because like if you know you could do it, you could do it again and again. But like I know when I don't dive for a while and I forget what 40 feet looks like, I get anxiety when I get down there because I, I don't know if I'm 60, 40, you know. But like, so what does it feel like when you have the reflex Oh, it's just your your blood's just rich, richer in oxygen because you release a bunch of red blood cells in your from your spleen. If you're, right. Let's say you're training on a line, you're doing warm up dives, and it's like your first dive feels like shit. Mm -hmm. Dude, today's just not the day. Like, I feel the same way. All the all my first dives, I feel like I think I'm gonna quit. I'm gonna get in the boat. 
because I couldn't get to 25 feet. This sport's not for me. Fuck this, man. And then your second dive is like, you will even feel shitty on your second dive. And it's like, no, actually, you know what? I'm chilling. I'm right. good. It, it kicks like in. In the middle of, a, I'm, the middle of my second dive is when it always happened. And I'd be like. So that happens to you too. Your first dive sucks. I mean, or, if I'm I mean, diving relative, a lot. Relatively. If, okay. I'm, if I'm diving a lot, my it, first dive can be a three minute dive. Like, I, when I used to dive, I used to be consider myself a badass. Like I can do <laughs> right. a three minute dive on my first dive. And I'm like, right. All right. I'm feeling good today. But no, there was days that like the first dive, I just like this. Fuck this sport. This is it, this it is hurts. Stupid. It feels weird. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I get that same exact thought in my head. I'm like, man, you know what? Maybe I should just come up, volunteer to drive, <laughs> and just sit in the boat. But that that's not the mammalian reflex. That's that's a different type of reflex. No, that is that is that that's is the, the reflex you're talking. Die reflex. Right. That those contractions that. Like, that's how it sounds to me. Right, yeah. That's actually driving red blood cells out of your spleen, gotcha. lowering your heart rate. Just something the body does naturally as it, as it just goes into right. depth. I've heard that like you, when you splash water in your face, that it, it starts the mammalian reflex in some way. Yeah, yeah. There's receptors on your, on right. your kind of like under your eyes. And if you actually put cold water, some right. of my better... Most of my very long dives have been in very cold water. Really? And I think it has some has to do with that. Yeah. Yeah. Something I did, oh, this is crazy. So when I was super into it and it was too rough to dive in the ocean, I would go to like the lakes in Kendall. Oh my God. Those cold, green, dark green lakes? It was super deep. Like uh. like Elix, 45 feet. And it was deep enough to do negative pressure dives where I exhale. This is not what people should be yeah, doing. Explain, so, explain a negative pressure dive. A negative pressure dive is something you shouldn't do until you take a class. <laughs> <laughs> but Very basically, well it's a shallower dive that simulates a much, much greater dive. You can simulate a 300-foot dive in 30 feet of water. Pressure-wise. Yes. And just it's, real quick, Gordy, so people know why, why shouldn't you do negative pressure dives at that depth? What can happen to you? Uh, you're exhaling all the all the air from your lungs, so you're reducing the volume. The reason the exercise works is because you have no air in your lungs, so you're starting with a very small amount of volume, and as you dive deep, the pressure is going to increase, and the volume in your lungs is going to decrease. So if your lungs are exhale, has a thousand milliliters of, of air, of volume, and you go, say, 33 feet, that's now 500, which is extremely low volume for someone's lungs. It's shrinking your lungs it's down. Act, it actually has negative pressure, like a vacuum, which can cause injury to your lung itself. To your lungs, and you also have you also have zero oxygen in your lungs. I mean, the only oxygen in your body is in your bloodstream, which means you have a very, very, very good chance of blacking out. Gotcha. I tried that one time. I think I got five feet under the surface. So I said, <laughs> "Nope, I'm not doing this. Not at all." So training is basically, like you said, sets and reps and rest, running, so be, being in general shape. Yeah. Um, I mean. That's kind of the gist of it. What if else? you want to be really elite, I think the physical, but uh, I think everyone, I mean, just be healthy, right. just right. be active. You know, there, there was also somebody you trained with in, in Dominica or something, was it, Gordy? Uh, you were telling me a few, a few months ago. Yeah, um, that's probably where I got... That's what made diving deep easy. I dove with a guy named Johnny Sunnix in Dominica. I only spent about a, 
not even a week with him. I got stuck in Puerto Rico because of air, airlines issues, but taught me how to equalize deeper with less air. How do you explain that? At equalizing deeper with less air? Uh, it's like really like complicated stuff. Not complicated, but it's just it's not guess, something. It's not something that average right. But it's it's equalizing with less air, so you're using the rest of that air in your lungs. Ex yeah, that's Basically, good. That's that good. So the air the air stays in your lungs, and because it's in your lungs, you don't have that much tightness because you're not using as much air. You're not mm -hmm. bringing that much air into your mouth that goes into your eustachian tubes in your mask. I'm actually would take I take air at 15 meters, 50 feet. So I take air at 50 feet and I put it in my my cheeks and my and my mouth, and I don't have to take any more air, and I can take that air to 240 feet, no problem, wow. without having to pull air from my chest ever again during out the dive during the dive. How much of which this is, do you which think? Is, which is commonly known as like a, a mouthfill. Exactly, that's what the freedivers call it. Yeah, a mouthfill. I just right. uh, I imagine our audience is probably not going to be elite freedivers. Right. So yeah, I mean, I guess let's, we're we're kind of surface level this stuff. We're not getting too deep into it, right? There's it, this gets way deeper. Yeah. So maybe in the future, if people have questions, they can ask, and maybe we get Gordy back on and get deeper into this stuff because it seems like there's a lot more stuff. That some people might want to know and maybe you want to help people out or maybe you can you know help them out on the side but so we're going pretty surface level with this stuff so what you're talking about like the mouth fill and all that stuff i've tried that and kind of my experience with that was it takes a crazy amount of coordination in parts of your muscles and face that you don't necessarily know you have johnny that guy johnny Tung's a very good teacher and he made it very simple right <laughs> So if anybody wants to learn how to deep equalize, either talk to Gordy or Jenny Sonics. Right. Because, I mean, some people would say, like, you know, uh, you know, push air or do the noise that's like, and, like, a group that'll do it. And, like, I, I just tried it, but it didn't work for me, and it was working for other people. So, like, I don't know if there's just, is that just practice or, like, a good teacher will give you a good explanation? Definitely a practice, but it's not like... I mean, in three days, I was, I, it changed the way I dove. Right, so a good teacher can help you get there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, everything. I mean, the same way my teacher right now is Mr. Roche. Right, He's right, a good right. teacher. The best teacher. <laughs> <laughs> um, so can, can you dive? How deep can you dive without touching your nose? That's because, like, I know some people, based on what I was just saying, some people can dive without holding their nose and physically pinching their nose and blowing air. But can you dive without doing that? I can. I grew up with allergies, and if I can manage my allergies and the inflammation in my head, then I can. And I've dove 200 feet without nose. touching your nose. I have. I. I rather not. I rather just have my hand there. Doesn't doesn't bother me. I noticed that people were when we're spearfishing, not having to put their hand on their nose with their left hand and holding the spear in their right seemed like an advantage, because they had both hands free. Yeah, I was always jealous of those guys because for that same reason, they always had right. either their left or right hand free or something. Or like say the fish is right in front of you and now you got to reach for your nose. That's an unnecessary movement. Like I wish I didn't have to do, but I couldn't, I, I couldn't figure out how to co coordinate my mouth muscles to do that. Oh, that's, it's either you're born with it or not. To be able to do that? Is that yeah. like, like winking both eyes? Like some people can and some people can't? Yeah, it's, it's you're untwisting your eustachian tube and some people have the control of the muscle and some people don't. Wow. I mean, so Martin's wife, 
she was world-class diver. Had to, she had to wear a nose clip. She couldn't do it. Right. And her husband was hands-free to she 400 was feet. Right. And she was trying it a lot, so she yeah, gave she, the effort. And she had the teacher. And she had the teacher, too. So it's, You're born with it or you're not. That's interesting because, I mean, yeah, some people... Some people like they think things are all hereditary, or they think some things are all, you know, teachable or nature versus nurture. And you're born with it or you're not. But some things in diving, you're definitely born with. Absolutely, our anatomy is, you know, some things you can change about your anatomy. You can lose some weight. You can. So you think you can take one of us and get us to that depth? Hell yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Nice. We should do it, JC. I'm I'm definitely down for that. <laughs> All right, so getting to be this good of a diver gets you to be able to dive some deeper real estate for spearfishing. Uh, absolutely. And like you said, who, who else is diving down there with you? Tank divers. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So you're able to dive off of the reef more into the Gulf Stream, and there's some deep wrecks out there that Gordy likes to dive, and we kind of want to get into that because a lot of guys are fishing these with, you know, they're, they're bottom fishing these and never really thinking that there's anybody that can ever get to that depth, you know, without a tank. But Gordy does, and I think that's, you know, awesome. It's super interesting, and hopefully he can get us, you know, some info on what it's like to, to get down there. It's so <laughs> It's my favorite thing. It's, I mean, there's a couple places in the world that I love to dive, and it's hard to beat Miami, Florida. Because they put out... They're basically, they're not all county wrecks, but they're all kind of like a, a government wreck that they put out there. Yeah. So what are you kind of diving? What's the structure like? I mean, your barges. The your, barges and cruise ships, or not cruise ships, but ships. Yeah, I guess like cargo ship, cargo ships, little cargo holds. Wow. So the government, I guess it's the government, whoever, Florida, puts out. Durham, I think. Yeah, Durham like puts out these wrecks. And I, off Key Biscayne, they call them the county wrecks, but I guess they're kind of still county wrecks down south. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. so one of these wrecks, how, how are you setting up to dive one of these things, and what does that kind of look like? When Being a good fisherman definitely helps. Understanding current, understanding bait. So find the wreck first on your, on your sonar. On your GPS and on your sonar. Okay. Make a pass. Find, see what side... If you can figure out the current just by motoring, yeah, now you have an idea if the current's going north or south. Find the bait. Use the bait's always going to be up current. Right. If the bait's just up current of the wreck, little current. If the bait's 200, 400 feet up, up the wreck, a lot of current. Well, yeah, I never would have thought of that. So, so just get up current of the wreck and jump in. So you do a pass, you check, you mark it to make sure that your your mark is right, and then you head up current. Yeah. You know, obviously, you gotta have a good driver because yeah. that's a really big part of this, right? You can't have some kook that's you know gets spun around, doesn't know what east and west is. You kind of gotta jump in in the right spot so you're gonna drift right towards the wreck because you're not gonna swim around and kick around and find it, right? No, it's especially the deeper wrecks. You can't really swim around too much. Like you gotta put down, you know, 130 foot dive. You gotta get in. The zone put down 130 foot dive. So, yeah, you gotta have you gotta have faith in your driver. Right. My boat's really small. I can literally have my fins on my feet, hanging over the side, and steer my boat, and then I get it where I want it, and then hand it off to someone else to drive. Right. 
So now so, it's, it's your fault if you're in the wrong yeah. spot and you have more confidence in what you're doing, I bet. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't second guess the dive. Some, when you can get a good driver, I mean, I've had some badass days with Trevor driving the boat. Right, right. But, he's, but he's a fisherman and he understands current. Exactly. He understands all that stuff. I mean, so I, that helps. Yeah, I've had badass days with Trevor. Trevor. Yeah, like you said, you got to be a good fisherman. Trevor, he, he dives, but he's not a big diver, but he knows how to get up current and how to you know, set up a drift. Yeah. So you're jumping in the water. How do you know you're even ready to even dive? Because I'd imagine at 120 feet, do you even see the wreck? No. Nope. You don't see, see anything. <laughs> so you're going on faith, and that's why yeah. this whole lead up is a big deal. Yeah, so, but what you do see is that bait. You see those rainbow runners, you see those, those, uh, those bar jacks. And like I said earlier, the further up current they are, the further off the wreck they are, the more current there is. But somehow it kind of works out. If, if you dive right around the time you see them, you typically end up pretty close to the wreck. I guess the time it takes for you to get to the bottom kind of correlates to how. Right. Yeah, I get what you're saying. So, I mean, there's definitely, you definitely waste dives. You definitely, oh, fuck, the dives up. Sometimes you dive early. If you're diving with, you know, if I'm coming up and I'm like, fuck, I dove too early. I see the wreck, it's coming up now. But you're I'm, not going to make it. No, no, I'm not going to make it. I'm just going to come up. But I'll tell, like, let me say I'm diving with Walker. Be like, Walker, it's coming up. Go, go, go. Right, so he like, can go. Like I'm good. Like, I'm, I'm gonna make it to the surface. I feel fine. I could just, I just missed it. I just missed it. Right. You go. You go. You're, you're gonna land on it. How, how often you say you would? Do you miss it and hit it? Is it like fifty fifty? It's different every day. I mean, some days we can. Hit sometimes it. the current's just ripping. You just, just can't. You can't. You right. Can't nail it. So you got to know when to pull up and just call it quits. And at that point, you're you're gonna reset. And and and. Oh yeah. You, you can't you, dive you'll, again. You'll need it. I mean, you get those days where there's no current, which is nice. Somehow, when you're fishing, there's no current. So when you, when you dive, it's like ripping current. <laughs> Does that help? I mean, obviously, it makes the diving easier, but is the fishing any better or the diving any better when there's no current? It's like fishing would suck if there's no current. But diving, is the, are the fish still there on the wreck with no current? They're still there. So the hunting's the same. Yeah, I don't think it really it doesn't make that much of a difference. But yeah, well, that's good because, I mean... But there's usually current there a lot of days. Yeah. And if it's no current, is it more murky? There's no, yeah. But that, I don't know. Some people swear by it. I mean, they're like, no, I need that blue water. I need that blue water. This guy's going Right. Like, Dude. <laughs> I see him in green water. Yeah. But you don't have a problem diving in the murk? Uh, I don't have a problem diving in the murk. <laughs> but we got, we got some little sharks here. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so you take your dive and then obviously you're going to see some sharks. Well, let's get into that. So when you take your dive and you hit it right, what are you, what are you kind of coming at? What are you looking at? What's, what kind of fish are you coming at when you get close to that wreck? And so, I mean, the black groupers. I mean, the black groupers, that's, that's pretty much my thing. That's, that's my goal. My goal is a 50-pound black grouper out of Miami. Just short of it right now. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a big goal because they're in the Bahamas solid, but... And they're solid here. They're just, uh, they're just deep. Nobody like, can get to them. A lot of bull sharks. So, but you said you've gotten close to there. Yeah, I got a forty-seven pounder with an empty stomach. So, so you want to get a, a a fifty pound black in one of these wrecks? Yeah, is your goal? Yeah, I've seen them. I've put shafts in them. I've hurt them, unfortunately. So there's a high like loss rate. 
Yeah, it's extremely frustrating. It's first you got first you're on breath hold, so you don't have an infinite amount of energy to expend. Mm-hmm. Second, it's a fifty pound fish. Third, you're 130 feet down. You got to kick that fish up. All these fish, you, I mean, the ones that are, you can shoot are 15 pounds because you can actually swim them back to the surface. If you don't swim back to the surface, they're going to cut you off on the wreck. If you play with them, let them run, play with them to get up, it's gone. It's getting eaten. By a shark. By a geofish or by a shark. Are you on a, a belt reel or a float line? I'm on, I shoot real guns in Miami. So there's a reel on the, on the gun? Yeah. So yeah, you, my, can, you can dump that if you have to? I can dump the reel if I have to. It's right. actually, I found, later on I realized it's actually better sometimes just to let the fish hole up wreck up or something and then make the dive and try to get him out go back and get him again yeah because if he's kicking hovering above the wreck he's gonna get eaten he's gonna eat him gotcha further south Isla Morada I dive with a kid named Scotty down there yeah the homeboy Scott Scoot yeah nice. and uh sharks are oh god <laughs> <laughs> they're worse down there oh yeah really yeah I think I went like got my worst is like three sharks in, in one day. Wow. So if, you, if you're going to get one of these blacks, you think you're going to have to stone them? A 50-pound black off of a wreck? You're going to... I just hope that there's not enough current that you can get a buoy clipped onto your gun, not chafe. The biggest one I shot was on one of those wrecks down south by a... By... <laughs> that spot down south yeah, by that by that floating coconut Where Jimmy David goes way down south <laughs> and it, I mean, it was 60 pounds and Dang. shot it but in some current and my shooting line chafed off so I went back down looking for him but I had no I had no, nothing to chase right, no shooting right. line oh because it was never, broken off yeah I never found him one of our tank diver friends dove in like a week later he's like yo I saw him Really? Fucked him up. <laughs> and he said, yeah, it was, it was all of 60. And he was still swimming around with the shaft or a hole in it? No, he was swimming with a hole in oh. the fucked up face. Damn. So when you're shooting those blacks, are they in the wreck? Are they on it? Are they above it? They're swimming around it. Sometimes they're above it. Some, um, it's like, if you know the wreck, you know where they're going right. to be. Okay, this wreck over there, I know they're going to be on the back side. Oh, okay. If, uh, if I'm diving that wreck, out front that's cracked in half and they're sitting in that crack so you kind of know where they are yeah but they're not midway up or they're usually sitting on the deck the blacks sit on the deck sometimes in the sand sometimes they roll sit on the deck and they typically sit on the deck you get kind of close and they start rolling off to the right sand. wow have you ever seen uh those kuberas that the guys are catching uh late year? wait you're talking about club wreck right no i don't any wreck oh no we can, we can mention the club wreck. <laughs> oh okay yeah. Yeah. So we had a conversation before about what we're going to mention, what we're not going to mention, but we didn't want to kind of like give away any of Gordy's uh, secrets, secret well, spots. Um, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Club any Rex. wreck. But Club Rex. I mean, everybody knows about it. It's a it. parking lot there. Yeah. The know. one that everybody's Kubera fishing. But have you, have you seen those 50, 60, 70, 80 pound Kuberas down there? Yeah. So that's like my goal probably for like the last four years was to shoot a Kubera closer to 200 feet free diving. Wow. And uh, I did shoot one. I shot a very big one. And I've seen, I've, I have videos on GoPro of 
the, the floor littered with Kuberas. Wow. Unfortunately, I've dealt with it the last two years, and it's not the same like it was three years ago. Really? It's funny because you saw, you saw on social media how many people were posting Kuberas that, that year. Yeah. Was, I mean, I, I've talked about it with a couple of people. I mean, before Instagram, I doubt there was that many people out there Kubera fishing. Since Instagram hit, you got all these guys that are going out there Kubera fishing. And I've asked these guys, because I've never gone, but how many did you lose to how many did you catch? And the amount, of, the amount that they lost, you got to think about how many are getting sharked. Oh. And, and if you think about how many are getting sharked, and they're all breeding, what is that doing to the population? Guys getting you know, sharked 18, 20 times in a night and catching five. And then they're bringing some fish up, and who knows if that fish lives or what, you know, the mortality rate of the actual fish. But hopefully that doesn't continue to happen, and Gordy still has a chance to get his goals. Cause I don't know. I mean, I, I don't care about that goal. I mean, it would be cool. The Kubera goal? Dade County Kubera shot at two. Uh, the one I shot was at 170. I mean, it would be cool to do something no one's ever done before. For sure. I don't think, I don't think anyone's ever freed over that thing and, shot a, and landed a big Kubera on it. No. Not, I don't think there's many guys that, because there's, there's other guys that free dive very deep and competitive, but there's not that many that dive and, and spearfish like you do, like Ryan Myers or you, but like the very select few people that actually do that. No, i got to go to Hawaii to hang out with those guys. There's a lot of them in Hawaii? Yeah. Because yeah. there's a lot of deep diving there. Yeah, it has, I mean, there's, they really be successful over there, you got to dive deep. Right, because of the way that the, the structure of the, of the island is like there's a steep drop off in that island yeah it's, it's right. a volcanic island it's a, actually they say it's a young island but obviously right. it's millions of years old right but a younger one yeah right. so it's very steep steep sides so you went to hawaii and you shot some fish there yeah i've been going to hawaii for years spending like a month at a time i love i love the big island and i love some of the friends i got there yeah that sounds like a, a badass place a place where you know you can use your skills and, and shoot some good fish. But what kind of fish are you shooting there that? Uh, ukus. Yeah? yeah. So explain, what does that look like? What that, is it? It's a jawfish or a gray snapper. And it's, it's an elongated snapper, a very, very athletic-looking snapper with a very gnarly face, kuberish face, gnarly teeth. Like kind an elongated like kubera? Like a queen snapper body with a kubera face? Yeah, almost like a, you know, like a yellowtail's tail. Very right. powerful, very fast tail. Forked tail. Exactly. Yeah. You shoot them and... They're fast. I mean, you shoot them and they rip off 100 feet of your real line really? in seconds. Wow. So you're, you're diving those how deep? Deep. Really? Yeah, fun. So what's deep? Uh, we're diving them with a weight. So we got a boat driver. We got a big weight. We got 40 feet of rope. I mean, sorry. 40 meters of rope, 130 feet, and we're marking debris. Actually, one of the things we're diving is a cruise ship debris right off of Kailua Bay in Kona. So these ukus are down there on cruise ship wreck, cruise ship debris, like you said? They're on anything. I mean, one spot that we did shoot them on was some like random debris. So it's anything small. So you're taking your dive down there. Um, how are you getting down there? You told me there was a, like a, an interesting way you're getting down deep. Yeah, we're doing variable dives. We're taking a kettlebell, a 15-pound kettlebell, 40 meters, 130 feet of line, tied to a, a little panga that we got over there. 
Nice. And uh, just cruising down, no kicking, no nothing. Just literally just equalize, equalize, equalize. What happens if you don't equalize or you can't and you're, uh, you're, you're hanging onto the lead and your, your nose gets stuffed up and you can't equalize? You let go. You let go and stop. Yeah. Yeah. I've, always, I've always wondered that. Do you hold on? Do you try to push it a little yeah. bit? Or? No. Once you feel something like you're going so fast that once you get behind on equalization, you're not going to catch up. Right, you're not going to catch up. Yeah, and you probably do damage quickly. Yeah. Okay. So you so you're you're ripping down, and you let go at some point, right? Well, we only have, I think we had like 40 meters, and we're we were shooting fish closer to 50, so we have to let go, and which is good. You don't want to just bomb to the bottom. You kind of want to start easy sinking. So these uku see this random object, not just bombing down, but kind of like right. subtly sinking towards this. Sand. Yeah, it looks natural. Yeah. And then we just lay in the sand, might throw some sand, just something's on the bottom that's there that they haven't seen before. And they just, they just come check you out, make a pass. And might, they might just charge you sometimes, but it's like a mutton snapper over here. They check you out and they make another pass. Pretty much, pretty much just stay still and just wait and you just shoot them, shoot them in the face, shoot them. And that kind of, what, what do they fight like, those guys? Shoot them, and if you, hit, if you hurt them, they just dump in the sand. If you don't, it's, you've never seen real line come off your gun faster. Really? It's, it's the sickest fish. Wow. I mean, it's... <laughs> and like, like a wahoo. Yeah, almost like a wahoo. I mean, I mean it's, it's a, a reef fish. Ex- it's not explain. quite a wahoo, but it's... Right. I mean, the only thing you can explain, like, that fast... Yeah, line dumping off. I mean, line dumping off your reel really fast when you have a finite amount of reel line and you are very deep underwater is kind of a very real feeling. Like, okay, this has to happen. This has to happen. This has to happen. Start kicking, and then start playing the fish. What happens if you run out of reel line? Like you're saying, if you, you have to do the right thing. But what if you were to run out? You would just let the gun go. Uh, I've had to run, I've had to let go before. And what happens to the gun? Floats? It uh, goes with the fish. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hopefully it doesn't. But, I mean, the reel would eventually float to the point where you can get it back, or is it gone? Uh, I've had to let go of my gun once, and it was actually actually a pretty worthy story to tell. If you don't mind, I have to tell it. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, this is actually pretty cool. We'd Uh, love to hear your stories. um, So one thing I hate doing is shooting permit. And uh, but slow day of fishing, of diving. It was me and uh, and Walker, and we were on the we we're on the Doctor Millie all the permit. So, I mean, after just nothing going on, I go ahead and I shoot one, and and I have no patience for it. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna even let this fish run. Fuck this fish! Like <laughs> lock that thing up, and I come and I start kick, kicking to the surface, and it takes one run that I can't stop. So. It, takes it and my wetsuit gets stuck in my reel no it, it actually ruined my wetsuit and just tore it, that chunk of wetsuit in the reel oh. and i kick and i kick and i kick and i and i barely get to the surface and walker looks back and he sees that i'm getting to the surface as this happening so he thinks i'm good i'm all good and he goes and shoots one oh, i never got to the surface so I end up letting go of my gun. After you got it unraveled from your wetsuit? No, no, I never got unraveled. It, I got pulled under. 
No, okay, what, I'm sorry. What happened was I was just about to get to the surface when it got stuck. So he thought I got to the surface. Then it rips off. It makes a run. Then, so I was probably like five feet from the surface, like, oh, 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 oh shit. <laughs> and I needed to breathe. I mean, I held on. I cranked, I cranked my fins as fast, as hard as I could. But there's a point where you got to go. Yeah. It ain't worth it. Life or death. I got to go. Mm-hmm. I let go of my gun. Walker shoots his fish. His fish takes off. And see, the story he tells me is he just sees, I shot that fish. I just see your gun fly right by me. <laughs> <laughs> so his fish goes down. My gun goes down past him. And all of a sudden, these two permits rocket straight to the surface. Behind those two permits, a bunch of bull sharks chase him up to the surface. My gun pops up right next to him. He grabs my gun, screams me, and Gordon, get your gun. <laughs> I swim over like, oh, my God, what's happening? <laughs> my gun is there, still there. And I grab my gun, and we land the both fish. You never thought you'd see that gun again. No, and that's like a, it's a collector's item, that gun. Really? Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's pretty crazy. Didn't you lose it another time? Or I did lose that gun once before. Uh, so that, yeah, but that's not exciting. And you got story. the gun back? Oh, I did, no. yeah. Uh, this kid found it. Very cool kid. Really? Yeah. He found it another day? Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, you. I mean, that's you're, you're out there life or death to the point where it's worth dumping your gun so you can go home and, you know, live to tell the story. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just a fish. Yeah, it's just a fish, so you, you, you want to, you know, prioritize your life. Yeah, I can't do that to my grandma. <laughs> no. No. So... Other badass destinations that you've been to, one was recently, it was a boat that both Gordon and I have worked on in the past. Um, it's a 64 FNS, it's a boat that they dive on. And there's also a mothership, it's a 150 foot mothership, full crew, uh, the works. And the guy lives in Miami, he likes to dive these crazy locations. So you guys went down to the Ragged Islands? Yep. Is that what they're called? Yep. This is a, a bunch of islands north of Cuba, right? Yeah, it's a... Uh... It's like 35 miles north of like Camagüey, right? And uh, I don't know how many miles south of the of Exumas it is, but it's you just keep following that that chain down. Right, it's the same chain of islands of the Exumas. Mm-hmm. So what's diving like down there? Um, not worth it. Really? No. Interesting. So why? Why I would think that it would be badass because you're getting far away from. That's what a lot of these owners think. I mean, right. That's what I would think. Yeah. So it wasn't badass. So uh, explain. Uh, lack of habitat. You know, we're, we're diving these banks in the middle of nowhere that are quarter mile in size. You know, Pinnacles. Type pin- thing. Yeah, exactly. Right. Actually, I did see some good fish, but it just doesn't have enough habitat to hold a large number of fish. Very barren. Really? Definitely shot good fish. I'm not going to say we didn't shoot good fish. Just... There's places closer to that. And if you saw his last trip that he did, if you know where he did it. Yeah. Like um, JC was saying, they, they just did a trip. And they, they did very well. Recently? Yeah. Yeah. So diving, do you think it's part of maybe being so close to Cuba that the Cubans are maybe, you know, they're coming up and they're fishing it? We saw a lot of fish traps. I don't know if it's the Cubans or Dominicans or... I guess or, it could be Bahamians too, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's fish traps down there that could uh, be affecting the population. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if you've seen the amount of fish traps in like 
like Cat Islands, places like that. Yeah, I've been I've been there, but I've never noticed. Uh, just, there's just no reef fish out there. But there's reef for them to be there. There is reef, but it's so steep. It's not like a, oh, so it's just a vertical wall. Yeah. What do those pinnacles look like if you were to dive down and get a glimpse at one? Very barish, very tongue and groove. Yeah. It's not like a whole lot of cave. There are caves, and when you find it, it's like, well, that's that spot. Right. I, did, I did shoot a elephant grouper that was nice, and you know, he was in that one spot. But this is where all action is going to be. Right. Uh, boss man had a, he lined up on a, like about a 60 pound black grouper on one of these pinnacles and spooked it. And the problem over there is, I think kicked about 10 times and then he was in 400 feet of water. He was at 400 feet and he just rolled off the pinnacle. There's no. Yeah, because it just, just straight dropped. Yeah. So there is blacks and kuberas and stuff down there? There are blacks. I didn't know if there was any blacks. I thought it was going to be more yellow finned. Right. But yeah. I know now. Yeah, now you know that they're there. The big ones too. Really? Yeah. But you guys just didn't get any. Because you guys, I saw the pictures. You guys have got a bunch of hogs and. Yeah, a lot of hogfish. Crazy amount of Nassau groupers. Really? Yeah. Those are kind of, what do you think about Nassau's? Great. I mean, as far as like a hunt. Oh, no, there's no hunt to them. There's no hunt to them. It's a grouper. Because that's what I I mean. It is a grouper, but like they do kind of just sit there. It's kind of like a hogfish of grouper. Yeah. Um, I mean, hogfish was my favorite thing to shoot when I was 12 years old. <laughs> <laughs> and now? Not really. But um, but That's, I have to remember that that when I was 12, hogfish was the baddest thing to shoot. For sure. It was and what I, we all grew up on, I would say, right? And when you're doing these guided trips, you got to remember that. It's still a big guy for them. to shoot a, a hogfish. You can't, you can't undervalue hogfish. For sure. Yeah, because I mean, because a hog will just kind of just lay up and let you whack him. And at that point, if it was that easy to shoot, who really cares how big it was? If they're all equally as dumb. But you're right, there's, you know, like you're saying, you were working for a guy, you're helping him dive, and you gotta kinda do what he wants you to do. Yeah. Um, and look at it from his perspective. He's not always gonna be able to shoot a 50 pound black, and that might be out of his ra- range for some people. I want, to, I want him to at least take the shot though. And he did, but. So down south in some of those islands, you've dove down there, namely Quesal. Quesal, I did a lot of dive with my old boss. Yeah. Big dive program, I spent two years with him. Did uh, Cat, did uh, Long Island. Long Island's the one exception down there that I love. That's good. Yeah. Really. That's a really a pretty much uninhabited island. Not uninhabited, but it's just a big island for not a lot of people. Yeah. So there's a lot of, you know, area where there's people not there's diving. A lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of reef. There's a right. lot of shallow, shallow, shallow reef. There's a lot of shallow reef. There's a lot of, there's a lot of deep reef. Well, there's a pinnacle that sticks out on one side of it. Mutton's great mutton in July. Is your bottom down there looking, looking more like coral heads or like ledges and stuff like that? Or is it kind of the mix of both? And it's kind of that, uh, that your typical coral reef, not your isolated heads. Gotcha. It's like too much real estate kind of. Too much yeah. going on. Yeah. They could be anywhere. So what, like, based, based on that, too much real estate, what would you say, like, especially for blacks and stuff like that? 
is is there too much reef to where they can hide from you? And is there a good balance of reef that's huntable um, so that you can get to the fish, like a black or kubera, so it doesn't swim in there? Yeah, ideally you want to be in these locations that have no real estate, just cracks, just one raw isolated heads. Right. Gotcha. Especially on the bank, if you're on an isolated head, an isolated wreck on the bank, or just a bunch of grass on the reef side and one head and a head here and a head here there. Giving you the opportunity to be able to hunt it. Yeah. Not not like a that would go diving with some guys and we'd find this, you know, massive head with I mean holes you can fit a Volkswagen in. Oh. And and we would see fish, but never nobody ever got the opportunity to shoot it. Because they would just disappear. Uh, yeah, those are just... Those it's too just, much real estate, right? Or those holes. Sometimes those holes, those, it's just too much. Just, just got to get it before they get in there. And it, it's, it's very hard because it's their, their, their territory. They have the upper hand. Yeah, you have to... So you either can't get them or you have to really work with someone. We would spend we spent hours, you know, flashlight. Working a reef. I, I see a piece of his tail. And you just go to the other side of the hole. Okay, see, and just we spend hours. Things that you would think you'd never get the fish out of there. Pull two fish out of there. Pretty impressive what some of these fishes will squeeze in, you know, and these yeah. cracks and holes and stuff. They just get in there and it's, you know, a maze to get out. Yeah. yeah. But you go and you work them. You push them from one side of the hole to the other. To get them to a point where you can shoot them. You, sometimes you take a blind shot and you get them. You don't so, get to take a blind shot, but you, you kind of have an idea. Like, think that that's their head. Right, facing. so you know where their body is. Yeah. And then the other ones where you can fit a Volkswagen and like, <laughs> it's not going to happen. It doesn't. I mean, it looks good from the surface, but it's just not worth diving. Some of the best spots we had in, uh, off of a, 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 by West End, like Matanilla, it was flat bottom. And then the spot was actually a hole in the ground that went down under the flat bottom. So it wasn't even like a mound. It was a hole in the ground. And those holes that maybe were, know the size of a bed you know you know flat and long and wide but you can kind of get your spear in there and shoot and there was maybe a couple of blacks in there um wasn't reef but those were some of our best spots and we would go time after time sometimes it'd be full of nurse sharks sometimes it'd be empty and sometimes it'd be three blacks in there yeah yeah i noticed that uh all these owners all these guys that want to go that southeast direction but right. the best diving ain't that way. I don't want to give, like, but yeah, Freeport, Matanilla. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a different, I mean, I guess we're not really trying to give people tips and tricks to find the best fish, but we're just kind of given a, you know, kind of an observation of, you know, not necessarily the biggest reef is the best reef. Exactly. Right. And not, sometimes exotic places aren't all, all that. Like, like down, like you said, maybe there's either the fish traps for whatever reason, they're overfished yeah. from different things, which is unfortunate because, man, I would have always thought that, man, I want to go dive that area. I went there before you uh, on the same boat with Nate, yeah. and we were trying to wahoo fish, and we must yeah. have caught 50 barracudas and not oh, one wahoo. We, me and Trevor caught 100 plus. Yeah, so <laughs> I, was, I was like insanely disappointed with that area. And then on um, the way home... We caught our six in like 40 minutes. <laughs> but it was good down there because they did catch them. But um, yeah, just weird. You know, you would think that some of these, in, or maybe we need to put a little bit more work into that area to learn it. Um, I don't know. 
But um, yeah. So sometimes those. We caught uh, one down there. Wahoo. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I think he did catch them down there, but uh, yeah, I guess it's just hit or miss, or there's you know different factors that you don't really think about. Um, that you know maybe some of the best diving is right here off Miami. You just got to dive deeper, and you don't have to go 400 miles to the south. Um, another place that you've dove a bunch that you maybe have a good story from that I know is uh is Quesal. <laughs> yeah, and, we, uh, we used to dive Quesal back in the day. Kind of gave up on it. And why? Uh, same same idea. It's just not a, just a bank. It doesn't really have a whole a whole lot. It's very flat bottom. Yeah, current. Not a lot of not a lot, a lot of, of a lot of current. Right. A lot of current. Not a lot of reef. Not a whole relief. Kind of like just drop off. Kind of same thing. So you're kind of faced with the same problem. Everything just rolls off to the side and disappears into a million feet. Yeah, and the current and yeah, just and, and just not seeing it's not seeing the amount of fish. Just didn't hold the fish like other places were closer. Yeah, that's what I've noticed too. And then another thing that I know we spoke about, you got, you ate some fish down there. Yeah. And you got Cigoterra. Yeah, I've had that. Yeah. And I, I mean, we've, I've come to the conclusion, maybe other people that, that maybe Sal has it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we know that now. So you got Cigoterra. How would that feel? How'd that feel? Um, got it and I got it like five years ago. So I've had time to kind of, uh, but I remember when people would ask me about how was it, you know, you just hear the stories and I would say, it's like the stories, but a thousand times worse. Really? That's, mm. it was bad. Wow. It was wake up in the morning and just your legs were like, like as if you ran two marathons. Wow. And what? it would not get better. It would be like a week later, you just kind of start feeling a little better. And then the next morning, you feel the same way you did the first day. Wow. And how long did that last? About two months. Wow. Two months of just that. And did, were you, could you work? Could you I couldn't, do it? I couldn't stand. You could, so you were bedridden? I was, I wasn't working at the time. Um, I remember just being at my grandparents' house and just kind of moping around. You my, knew you had it? Oh, yeah. My sister, I knew it. I knew I had it on the day of my sister's wedding. Levi texted me because Levi... Levi got it too. Levi got it on right. the same trip. And he's, I thought I had a flu. I didn't know what's going on. He's like, and then he texted me and he's like, oh, I think we got sick with terror. I'm like, how do you even know I'm sick? I'm like, yeah, I feel like shit. What do you mean? He's like, yo, we got sick with terror. Jeez, because both you guys were sick. Yeah. And I, what fish was it that you guys ate? It was uh, African pompano. Wow. And Which is not little, one that anybody ever thinks of. At least not until now. Yeah, I guess. Everyone, everyone thinks of Barracuda and Black Grouper. Right. But I did have a portion of Tiger Grouper. Which that's maybe Which one is, that... That's one that people... That definitely carries it. So African. Levi had no Tiger Grouper, but he just had African. So you had two months of that, and then after that, you were clear? I Honestly, my legs still feel a little funny. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, Dead Five years later. Is it something that might, it's probably still in your body? I, I That's believe. what they say. I don't know. I just feel like sometimes my legs get tired. And I, I don't know if I'm just blaming it on it. <laughs> well, it's but, like it could always be an excuse, I guess. <laughs> but sometimes my legs just, they don't, they don't wake up. Right. So if you're ever like walking slow, you'd be like, no, Damn, man, I got Ciguatera, man. You can't mess with me. It's, it's every morning. It's like, and that's how it was with Ciguatera. As the day went on and my, my blood flow went to my legs, I actually start feeling better. 
Right. But in the morning, my legs are just... Really? Yeah. That's how I feel every morning, too. Maybe it's just getting old. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Uh, did you ever talk to Levi? I know I spoke to Levi about it. Um, he lives on a farm right here, and he's always eating really good foods and, you know, juicing. And, and he, he swore to me that that helped him, just eating good. I don't, yeah, know, maybe. I don't know if you spoke to him about that or that helped you. or We, we would talk every night. Yeah, about Share how bad studies. it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, I eventually it faded away. I mean, I was eating pretty good back then. Right. I was really... So it just went away naturally. Yeah, I would say so. Wow, that's crazy. So yeah, I guess, you know, it's part of the... Part of the life of being a spear fisherman and eating your fish, which you you know you, you want to do when you shoot a fish because you're doing it for a purpose, um, is getting Siguatera. And I gotta say, Gordy had some amazing stories, wouldn't you say, JC? Yeah, definitely. He's uh, definitely traveled and seen some things that and done some things that a lot of people are uh, definitely envious of or or wanting to do and get into themselves. Yeah, definitely. I gotta say, I mean. We did a, a fishing podcast, and you know, I kind of knew what they were going to say. We've all, I've all seen this. You know, I know what they're going to talk about, but the stuff that Gordy's doing is stuff that, you know, a lot of people have no concept of. Definitely was interesting. Listen, um, thanks for coming on, Gordy. Thanks for having me. You had a good time. I mean, this is our JC's first podcast, Gordy's first podcast. First time talking. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've I've spoken to you more tonight than I probably have our entire relationship, Gordy. But pleasure having you on. Thanks for having me. Yep. Yes, thanks for having me as well. And uh, yeah. if anybody has any questions about, you know, what we spoke about tonight, there's way, we can get into this way deeper. And I'm sure Gordy has way more info if he'd like to come back on the podcast and, and talk about it in, in more depth. Uh, in the meantime, Gordy, you want to share your, your Instagram handle and how anybody can get a hold of you or kind of see what you're up to on a day-to-day basis? I know you don't post a lot. You're not a, you know, Instagram type of guy, but, you know, there is some cool stuff on your page. Yeah. Yeah, um, Instagram is Gordy underscore Gons. Nice. And, uh, yeah, I don't post. I do post a little bit. Yeah, you post. You post your, your fishing out there. You you, you kind of like repost a lot of stuff. Somebody tags you, you're reposting it. Yeah, I don't take my phone out. Right, which is, you know, like the other guys that we had on, Vinny and Georgie, and even JC, very humble guys, not the superstar type of guy, not the out, out there talking um, but these guys are guys that actually really do this stuff. And Gordy's definitely one of those guys. Stays humble, well-respected in the docks, well-respected in the industry or in the, you know, the spearfishing group circle and, you know, keeps it real. So it was a pleasure having you on, Gordy. Hopefully we can have you on again. And thanks for coming down here, JC, and being a great co-host. And uh, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye.